job. I listen. I don't need the attitude. I don't need the attitude. <laughs> I don't need you to get defensive with a little bit of feedback. And you know what I say? Take your ass back into your cocoon, okay? <laughs> We got so much feedback about our feedback episode. We're doing more feedback talk. And you know what? We even added more feedback to our Discord server. That's right. Feedback everywhere. You know why? Like we said, it's a gift. We talk about that this episode. We talk about how you can tactically become great at providing feedback in all directions. So listen in to grow that skill that so few people have the opportunity to grow. Get better at feedback now. We got feedback about our episode about feedback, which is perfect. Ooh. And you know what? In our what? Discord link below, we now have a episode feedback section where people can drop in their comments about previous episodes and what they think, what they'd like to hear us expand on, any audio issues, if there were too many words from a certain co-host or dogs barking in the background you know yeah. all all of those things are options so yeah you can do that now so feedback it's like recursion you know i always got confused with recursion you know that yeah it's like but it's magical you know, once you figure it out right yeah there's magic yeah. once you figure it out but it's a little it's like recur like feedback is like that right yeah it's recur it can be recursive hmm. Hmm. Oh, so the request we had was to dig like one level deeper where we talked about feedback in general, but this was, hey, how do I give feedback to a teammate? Or maybe I have a distant stakeholder that we need to give some feedback to. Like, I know Bob has told a story about going into executive rooms and saying, you have to be here. You have to be at this sprint review or demo or whatever flavor you want to use. So those times where that crucial conversation is important that means it's a highly important discussion and you're likely a little bit nervous about not screwing it up. So our goal today is to enable you to go have those conversations. I want to kick things off, Josh, this maybe, and just just demolish it if it's off track. Okay, I'm ready. But before we, we get into tools and techniques, I think it's the will. So one of the things I struggle with when I listen to people, I, a lot of people are looking for, give me this checklist and we can get into tools. I'm not yeah. saying they're not yeah, yeah, useful. Yeah, yeah. But the root cause, I find, I mean, I've heard it in this last week. Folks are looking for some safe way to give feedback, or they're looking for someone else to do it. My brain almost always goes to, you know, the biggest problem is whether it's up, sideways, or down to your team member or whatnot. And radical candor helps. There's two dimensions to radical candor. But it's like, do you have the will, the willingness to do it? And usually the answer is no. I don't want to do it. And there's factors around it. But to me, part of it is just it's like stepping in with courage and then using that and then looking at now, how do I give it? But there's almost like this gap between almost everyone I meet, particularly when it's the feedback is more dangerous, if you will, or more risky. And folks find all kinds of reasons and excuses why not to give it. 
So to me, it would be will. I'm, I'm putting that out there. Will first. And then, and that's the most important thing because you could have the, the most, you know, like 20,000 tools in your pocket. Mm-hmm. But if you don't want to do it, then you're not going to do it. You're not going to give feedback. What, any reactions to that? Yeah. I, it, there's two sides of that coin. I believe to be effective at it, you have to have both the will and the skill. And yeah. unfortunately, that skill is hardly ever taught. And even worse, the models or role models that you have from people giving feedback to you, because they were never taught, are pretty rough. So you don't have this uh, safe pathway to understanding of this is how I do it well because it's done so poorly or not at all across the board, which creates that lack of will because they know they don't have skill. So it compounds there. Yes, will is the first and most important thing you have to have to be able to do that. But I think the will is further reduced when there isn't a piece of skill there to go do it with confidence. I mean, I think it's one of the factors. Yeah. For, exa- for example, I, I remember at parts of my career, I was doing PIPs, per, uh, personal improvement plans. And because I had a large organization, I was involved in you know several PIPs at the same time. And what I found is they drained the life out of me. They were really yeah. exhausting, right? Because yeah. giving feedback to people and how active you had to be in that. And then there was someone else that needed feedback. And to be honest, and this may sound lame, Metacasters, and I actually don't care because it's the reality. I didn't have the will. I didn't have the energy for it. I literally said, I need to have this conversation, but I'm not going to, because I just don't have, I don't have the energy to have yet another conversation. So that's to me, I didn't have the will, right? I had the skills or not, or it's too dangerous. Like, I think what I'm saying is I think people, you got to get over the excuse train to some degree. Yeah. And then there's, there's almost a default excuse, excuse train in most people's brains. I'm thinking it's a, a bad way to, phrase it but uh because it's so it's so hard it's not just even safety it freaking requires energy right you would you agree yeah yeah and the energy starts well before the conversation and hangs around (laughs) well after the conversation yeah right because because you want to deliver it so well because you want to be respectful you're really thinking through how to do it. You're probably losing a little sleep because it's that important to you. And then you provide the feedback and there's a dialogue there. And whether it goes well or not, you're still going to replay what happened in that discussion in your mind for a day or two, which is good, right? Because you're giving yourself the feedback of this is how I get better. But also you relive some of the energy that you went through to put in to make that happen and some of the challenges that happened along the way. So it is a uh, very draining thing to do it well when you care. Now, if you do it poorly without care, then yeah, it's super easy, right? Just like on the internet, you can get on the internet and say anybody's terrible. And that's right. that doesn't take anything but 20 keystrokes. So that's no big deal. But doing it well, doing it thoughtfully and respectfully, that'll, that'll wear a person out. And it's not done either. It's not a one shot. Yeah. Rarely is feed... So it's not, I could see it if it was like a 10 minute conversation and then you're, maybe then you have five minutes of prep and five minutes, so five, 10, five or whatever. So it's double the angst time, but the conversations are never like that. At least very rarely, it's like an ongoing, like I'll give someone feedback and they might be defensive. So then they come back for clarification Right. and inside I'm, inside I'm rolling my eyes. I'm like, crap, God, this is going to be ugly, but I'm, I'm engaging. I'm trying. 
because it's my job. And then there may be a follow up in the other way, or there may be retaliation. Well, you gave me feedback. Let me give you, let, yeah. let me give you, you some feedback. So all I'm getting at is it, it, it's an ongoing, very often it's an ongoing event. So yeah. that exacerbates it as well. Yeah. That, let's get into, let's get well, into the tools. I didn't mean to derail it. I think I can segue very well into those tools based on what cool. you just said. So the part that Bob just talked about, about it's not a one-shot deal is true because so often when you have that first discussion with somebody, they hear the first words that come out of your mouth, and then they likely get angry or defensive or whatever, and then the background you're providing isn't heard at all. So they just hear, you're not doing well enough, and then you provide all this feedback and reason why, but their brain has already shut off listening and they're processing and they're like WTF, they're table flipping, they're doing all this stuff that's going on and they haven't heard all of that. So you will have to revisit that maybe a couple minutes later. Maybe you work them through that and then you say, okay, let's go over that again just so we're clear. But it will never work that there's a single moment or instance where you provide feedback that matters and it's all consumed right away. Well, and you sometimes hear my dog? people react and sometimes people react by whimpering. Yeah. They? But, yeah. Yeah. That's what that's what my dog does. So uh, any other I think tools beyond will like skill. Yeah. I think uh, today I was teaching a class online. It was a scrum gathering in Sri Lanka. And I was talking about having a conversation arc. Mm -hmm. So I think one skill is thinking in terms of a radical, you know, having a model where there's opening in my arc for coaching conversations or feedback conversations. I like a chess metaphor. Josh, you probably heard this ad nauseum sometimes, mm -hmm. but it's like opening moves, middle game, end game. And what I was asking folks to do in the workshop was put the arc on a piece of paper and I gave them a scenario and I asked them to scribble some ideas around how would they open given the scenario how would you open what would be the middle game how would you close it would there be other conversations you would have it's what would the bouncing ball be like if it was the first conversation you want to just establish rapport or maybe see how they're going so you would ask more questions it towards a if it was a second or a third conversation feedback session it might be contentious or something mm -hmm. like that so prepare that what's your mindset like cleaning up your biases before you go into the arc Make sure that you're not, you know, if I've had five, <laughs> like with you, Josh, if I've had five hard, challenging conversations with you, and I know I have to have a conversation with you on Monday, I need to clean out myself so I don't, so I don't trigger. And mm -hmm. I, I don't mentally say, oh, this is going to be hard. Before you even open your word on Monday, your mouth on Monday morning, I've already prejudged you. Yep. And he's smiling because I, I, I might do that occasionally. So, yeah, because uh, I've never heard you say I'm not picking. But I, I knew I was, I, I was hoping you would bring that example. I, I'm not, I'm, I hope this isn't negative, but I'm yeah. not picking, but yeah, exactly. And that's that, that bias. So I think that arc is really useful, not just while, while you're in, but pre-planning, mm -hmm. like getting your brain lined up. So I go in clean. How am I going to start? Maybe I'll start with some questions and then really listen hard. Like if, if I'm giving, if I've observed something, the, my open-ended questions would be around empathy. Okay, I have this view. What's their view? Yeah. What's their perspective? And then shut up and listen. So my arc would be open-ended questions, shut up, damn it, Bob, listen, and then really peel the onion. 
And that might be that conversation. So I found that having that in my mind, knowing that I have to not just ask questions, but then move and start resolving something or exploring something. And then I have to close it with, and very often the close is, what did you hear? Like confirmation. This is, I heard that we had a conversation. What are your takeaways, Josh? This is what I heard. What did you hear? This is the agreements I heard. This is the observations. What did you, and then really listening into Josh to confirm, are we on the same page or did he trigger? And he only heard like the first word and then he didn't hear anything else. Well, then I have some work to do. Yep. So that oh, might be sort of useful as having an arc, thinking about opening, closing, things like that. What you think so? Yeah, I, the, certainly because you have to understand how the feedback is going to be received in general. Everybody's different, but human emotions will follow pretty much the same path. One of the approaches that I prefer to take is what I found over my time is that whenever there's a difference in opinion in how things are or should be done, there's usually a information gap that someone has a piece of information that I don't. So I go into it and I say, Bob, this is what I'm seeing. So that leads me to believe X, Y, and Z, but I'm not sure that's true. Can you walk me through your side of the story and help me understand that? Because I'm just assuming there's something that I'm not seeing or I'm not getting. So educate me. So I like to turn that around and say, and just walk in like, I am wrong. Tell me why I'm wrong. And I hope I am wrong. And it's just for whatever, I haven't perceived something or whatever the answer might be. But I like to open the door like that. So it's not Bob, you suck at C sharp. Bob, JavaScript is the worst thing you've ever written. Whatever the topic might be. But I that's my opening volley is to provide them a safe space of, oh, there's a gap. Like you don't, like you haven't seen this. Well, let me educate you, Josh. And then they do that and hopefully they do that and everything's in a much better spot and you all walk away or they don't educate you and then you can have the further discussion. But that's how I like to open the door and get the party started. Well, it's, I mean, I remember in Crucial or Radical Candor in, in one of the videos, she says, we're having radical, a radically candid conversation so that either uh, your thinking can be changed or my thinking can be changed. You're leading with my thinking can be changed. I'm, this is cor yeah. correct me, or I have mm -hmm. some wrong thinking, whatever, but you have the relationship built so that we're coming out of it. And it's, so it's not just one way. I think another tool in providing feedback is don't enter assuming that you're right. It's a real, right. like, like the mental model is I'm 100% right and you're and you're 100% wrong or 0% right is a really bad model. Seek to understand. Even if you, even if every ounce of your being says, let's say someone has broken a company policy right? Someone's broken, it's not dangerous, but they've broken a, po a serious policy and it's black and white. So there's no argument about it, right? And you're having that and you're giving them that feedback. I'd still go in, not with a hundred, I'd want to, to Josh's point, it's explore. I've seen you, right? I think you've broken the policy. Please meet me here. Tell me more about that and then really listen. That's a much more effective, I think, balancing act. The power dynamics come into play. Yeah. If what, that feedback we got, Josh, from a, oh my God, what's the darn tool? Discord. The Discord, feedback, yeah. 
Stop. Just Everybody stop. go there. Everybody, listen, I need all of our listeners to please join the Discord and make it the most vibrant community ever because Bob refuses to use the tool. So please, please do your part in helping bring Bob into the 21st century. I'm asking you, I'm begging you, please help this happen. Okay, sorry, Bob. Metacasters, that was a good role model of what not to do to give someone feedback based on their age and their ability to use tools and things. So oh, I, I really, yeah, you're I, right I, there. Josh, yeah. I really, I really appreciate you role modeling failure there, Josh. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in giving me that feedback and embarrassing I, me in front of everyone. That I did right. not remove my biases at all. I probably no, you did. <laughs> no, no, you you did. Uh, you gosh. threw me. You threw me under the Metacast bus. I did. Uh, but but uh, power dynamics come into play. Like if you're giving feedback, culture dynamics come into play. One of yeah. the things I'd be concerned about if I'm a U.S. engineer working in a distributed team with from India or from Asia or anywhere, actually, just cross-cultural dynamics. You know what we say. Power I, and. It even gets more, you know, difficult to finagle because let's say it's an outsource, you're outsourcing it. It's a contract relationship. So you have cultural dynamics that are absolutely in play. And then you have power dynamics. You're the customer, right? And those things are coming into play with the feedback. So that's part of that, I think, prep. So what's different with the feedback? It's never good to come in guns blazing. The way I think of it is coming in with your guns blazing, but the nuance like thinking, preparing for your feedback session, almost creating a checklist where you think about cultural, it, does this have cultural dynamics that I need to prepare for or be aware of? Does it have power dynamics that are different that I need to prepare for and be aware of? Do I have a history and biases that I need to prepare for and be aware of, et cetera? And that's just the tip of the iceberg as far as that. I think that's some of the stuff that makes those conversations more challenging. Be, uh, and I would say one quick thing, Josh, say all feedback, if you don't want a positive outcome, then you need to check yourself out. So what I mean is I, whenever I do feedback, I'm not trying to demolish someone. I'm trying to get at least in my mind to a positive outcome. So why do I go through that checklist to have a positive feedback experience, to have a positive outcome, not just to meet my goal, but a positive sort of organizational, not win the argument. Yeah, exactly. But to, but to get that outcome, that's, and so the more of that nuance that's in there, if I have that goal, the more work I have to do, probably the more skill I have to have, the more nuance to, to yeah. make it work out right. I actually go into those discussions hoping that I lose, hoping that I'm wrong, hoping that there's that piece of information that they have that I haven't found out about yet or figured out yet or whatever it might be. One of the things that often helps me in those situations where your will starts to dwindle is I put myself in their shoes and I imagine what it would be like to find out months, years later that someone had a piece of feedback that could help me and they chose not to provide it. So the closer I get to people and or teams, the more willing and aggressive I am to actually jump in and offer the feedback early and often because otherwise I feel like I'm not being a good teammate. I'm not being a good friend and I'm 
intentionally limiting their ability to grow in the ways that they want to grow by just withholding that. So I end up feeling like a jerk if I don't do that. And maybe I've talked myself into that corner, but that's a thing that I have. And it doesn't mean that I like doing it, but there's times where like, oh crap, I got to go do this. I don't, I don't want to, but like I have to do this for the good of the company and the responsibility I have, but also for the good of that person. Otherwise, I'm letting them down on what kind of leader, teammate, partner. In the Radical Candor, another snippet from the video is she makes the point, and in the book, that feedback is a moral obligation. Now, her target audience is leaders. It is the majority. It's actually not. I mean, it's Radical Candor is general, you know, 360 degrees. So she's not, it's not a downward focus in the book at all but it's this moral obligation she talks about it's a moral obligation it's so it's not a nice to have it's not optional it's your obligation you know in your context so if you're giving it if you're a leader of a team it's your moral obligation of the team if you're a member of a team team to member to team member you still just just because you're flat on an org chart doesn't give you a get out of jail free card you have a moral obligation particularly if you're talking about someone or they're frustrating you. Very often folks will backbite at a team mm -hmm. level. Someone will be complaining about someone. Like they'll complain as a boss. I've had people go run to me and complain to me to do something, but they won't have the conversation. And I'm like, that's your job. Have that, they're your peer. I can of course do it, but it's less, it's less personal. It's more like kindergarten-y or something like that. It's, you know, buck up and have that conversation. It's your obligation. I think in all directions, here to you and I, Josh, all joking aside, you've given me feedback, at hard feedback yep. at times. I've given you hard feedback at times. Yep. Now it's based on relationship and things like that, but I don't shy away from it. It's, it really is. It's a gift. So. Yeah. Agreed. And I'm, I'm, uh, go ahead. Just, just talking about the skill, I think we're semi-qualified because of experience, but I don't think we're fully qualified to provide you with all the tools on this is how you provide the feedback in a smooth way. We have both reference books. Radical Candor, that's been Bob's driving thing for quite a while. Crucial Conversations was older and before that, but that's the one that I've latched onto that I provide all of my teams with and we read that and that's how I help them acquire the skills to have these difficult discussions across the team members. So invest in getting better in this skill piece and do it with like, there's there's great resources that are out there and we've named two, but I'm sure that there, there are others. Those are the two that we've latched onto, but I, I am sure you have no shortage of resources if you do a little searching. I wanna come back to skill versus will again, though. So I have a mediocre amount of skill, Josh. Maybe I've read crucial conversations mm. and I have a conversation of feedback that needs to happen but I don't feel skilled to do it. And, uh, but I have the will to do it, but I'm worried a little bit about, you know, doing a half job. I have a skills gap. I've always argued, just do it. Yeah. So we part of the moral obligation is have the darn conversation. Even if it's crappy, you've got, even if you, let's say you do half, half well, right? You stutter, you forget your words, you, personalize it when you shouldn't you can go back i would argue you can go back and correct that but you've given someone the gift of feedback it was poorly crafted 
but that's better than giving someone no feedback at all and avoiding it and patting yourself on the back. Now, again, get better over time. But I think folks focus on skill too much. So what you're right. saying is people would rather have a long preparation and ship this conversation once instead of maybe shipping it as quickly as you have the minimum viable feedback and get it out there and then provide you with the opportunity to iterate on that and get yeah. better through maybe like yeah. retrospecting. So yeah. like you have the tools. If you're listening to this podcast, you already think in an agile manner. So apply the same principles to this. Get your first conversation out there. Get it going. Learn. Stub your toe. Do all of those things. Stub your toe. Otherwise, you're and, not going to get And you better. know what? We focus on the negatives, Josh. The, there is a possibility that the person could take this crappily crafted and even help you. Yeah. Oh, what are you? Oh, you're Bob. Are you saying this or are you saying this? No, no, I'm not saying the first one. Thank you. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually going, you know, going into there, and it's like, oh, okay, I get that. Well, tell me a little bit more about that. So it is not out of the realm of possibility that that someone can like like help you with that or be amenable or be approachable or come back later and say, you know, or they even if they blow up, I've had folks blow up or get get really upset, but the next day they come in and they ask for more clarifying information and we have a great outcome. So that perfect conversation, again, I'm not saying, I'm not telling everyone to suck at it or not to continue to refine your skills, but just jump into these yeah. things because it's real time. It goes back to that point of when's the best time to give feedback now <laughs> or as soon as soon. I once, I once Josh had a boss and this happened. I mean, it may have happened to you, but like something happened nine months earlier yeah. and they waited for my annual review to give me yes. feedback and it wasn't a huge thing, but, and this wasn't even like now, but I forgot about it. And they triggered on it, I guess. And they're, they're talking to me about it. And I'm like, I ha I don't remember that at all. Yeah. I'm not. And they're like, oh, you're getting defensive. I'm like, no, I honestly don't. I have no recollection of that event whatsoever. It was nine months ago. I have four young kids at home. I don't have <laughs> recollections of what they did a week ago, for God's sakes, let alone like nine months ago. But it's true. Yeah. It, it's that it's that relevancy. What, what else can we give the listeners? What do you think? I don't, I feel pretty solid about this. I think we hit some of the common stumbling blocks that people will have that will, to your point, stop them from getting that first volley out and allowing them to try and learn. We covered that. We've talked about the skill pieces. And if you haven't read either of those books, please read one of those books. There's no reason not to. It will help you well beyond your job. It will help in regular life. So it's that's a, those are powerful books that are helpful across the board. So help yourself in any way. Provide yourself that feedback. I think something to add, and I'm going back to the Discord comments, is going uh, these risky conversations up. Let's talk about risky okay. feedback sessions up. I think you want to be, so yes, have them. Yes, have them in real time. Don't wait for all those skill. Have them. Give, the, give folks the gift of feedback. But also put on your listening hat and really listen to body language, et cetera, when you start it. I think some leaders can handle the truth and some leaders can't handle and so as you're giving feedback, let's say you're having, let's say Metacasters, you all report to Josh for a minute. I know how scary is that? And you're giving Josh feedback and 
default Josh to me is he's receptive. He would be lean in. He'd ask some questions. He'd probably personalize it because he cares so much. You could probably feel the pain in him to some degree. The emotion, you would feel the emotional field. It's making a difference. He's talking about things. And what you're reading from him is he's receptive for feedback. I'll take a walk in the wild side and I bet Josh there's a chance that he would thank you honestly and profusely for giving him the feedback. Yep. So that's an indication to you that you have a safe environment. I'm probably over here in the extreme side of things. Now there's a counterpoint on the other side where the person leans back, they close off, they raise their little head, they look down at you, it's a minion you are. They start getting defensive. They start micro asking micro questions. They're not really clarifying, they're trying to trick you. They're trying, they're, they're verbally sparring, or they might get angry, or they might just say, you're wrong, you don't have enough information. That's just absolutely wrong, but I'm not gonna share the information with you because you have no need to know. They get obnoxious, so they get full of themselves. So what you need to be doing is reading in these power dynamic situations, read the landscape and the receptivity. And at some point you don't wanna keep going. So Josh, you wanna keep going back to the well. But not too much. Don't feed him my minutia. I mean, right? <laughs> yes, so thank, unless, you. thank you. Right. So, <laughs> oh, Josh is friendly to feedback. I'm going to talk to him about his car and his dog and everything. Cool. Right. So you want to you want to sense and respond. And on the it's danger Will Robinson side, you want to sense and respond as well. Is it safe? Mm -hmm. You yeah. don't want to just keep going there. So I think there's a sense and respond nature where you the frequency and the candor that you give for your own. Now, they're also telling you that's probably not going to change much. Mm -hmm. So they're also giving you cultural indicators of you're not in Kansas anymore. So this is the way we handled the truth. You have to ask yourself, do I want to stay here? Is this do I want to interact this way? But you sure, you know, your your intelligence in that way, your yeah. sense and respond intelligence. Yeah, the, the, the Go ahead, Josh. The approach that I described earlier is always the way that I take with this because some leaders just aren't good at sharing things and many organizations communication across the board is not good. So I always assume there's a piece of information that someone above me has that I don't have because they forgot to share it. They didn't share it. They didn't think they could or should. So I go in assuming there's a piece of info that I don't have. So I say, Hey, why, why aren't, we doing this it seems like if we did that would enable x y and z and things would be so much better and then oftentimes that's where you see that light bulb go off on that leader like oh yeah here's some context you don't have sorry about that like that's often what happens with me is like dang it i'm so sorry i didn't provide that to you and the team sooner so that you didn't have to wrestle with this and spend time on it but that's that that's so often where a lot of misconceptions or misunderstandings lie for feedback upwards. The other thing, maybe we wrap it up this way, and this is a thought, is we've talked about interviewing here before, and I know you go into interviews like trying to test the cultural landscape, yeah. and also you could do that with feedback. So the place to start with sensing the feedback landscape of your environment it's actually to me not that's the first time is not necessarily when you're in the environment it's before you even join the environment you can test the landscape of you know giving feedback and getting feedback and things like that and are we compatible and i would say do that you know sort of talk to you know if you're interviewing with your boss 
ask them, how do you like to handle feedback? Can you handle the truth? I mean, in a, with a, in a, you know, in a sort of playful way, but you know, how much of the truth do you usually like to hear? Give me an example of that. You can interview for feedback dynamics so you know what you're stepping into or you know what their constraints are so that you can adjust your feedback to them. I do think we haven't talked about it much, but I do think we need to be nimble in our skills and our delivery mechanisms because it's our job for the first person to receive it yeah. or to do our job as much as we can so that they receive it. It doesn't mean we have to apply a hundred tools, but we need to be flexible. It's not one and done. Yeah. And everybody's going to be different. So you might yeah. walk in with the same approach like I do and then have to quickly adjust just based on how that person reacts because you never know until someone's put in that position. You might have an idea of how they're going to react, but you're never really going to know until that situation happens. I think in agile coaching, it's similar with these going back to that arc. Yeah. Uh, the the Kinevin the Kinevin model, which is the sense and respond model, it's really been helping to articulate that part of the conversation is I need to be listening and sensing what's going on. Did that question land and watch their body language and sort of give myself feedback and I need to respond differently. There's a nimbleness to effective feedback. I don't think radical candor or crucial conversations covers it enough. I think it's a practice thing, building that muscle of being able to sense and in real time, because you're talking, you're giving feedback, you're listening, but now you're processing what you're sensing and you're thinking about what adjustments do I need to make, right? In, mm -hmm. in my feedback, in my own body language, like I'm biased. Oh, I need to remove that bias quickly. Otherwise we're going to crash and burn here. How do I remove the bias? And I'm not just pausing the conversation. So think in terms of sense and respond with the goal of having a good outcome, right? Yep. The ultimate goal is, can I get that good outcome? What would be a simple transcendence and respond is Josh starts, I, he starts getting red and my response. So this is simple. But he starts getting red and his head starts expanding and he's getting really aggravated and he's bigger than me. And and I and I'm like, well, why don't we why don't we do this tomorrow, Josh? And and we end it right there. So there's a sense. There's a very simplistic sense of response. Let me get that. I don't even say a on. word, I just nod. Exactly. Yeah. And, and let me <laughs> And you're going to see like a little dust trail, a little cloud, like a cartoon <laughs> cloud trail as I get the hell out of the, of the room. Uh, gosh. All right. So I think the fork has been stuck. Bob, how do you feel about that? That's, I feel good. Okay. Good. So I think, I think that's, is that our closing line? Yeah. Is that our, so from beautiful downtown Cary, North Carolina. And, Bob and, and from, and beautiful Fuquay Verena. Quite frisky. Fuquay hyphen Verena. That's right. North Carolina. I'm Josh Anderson. Josh Anderson. Would, gee, dear Lord, would you let me say my name? Can I say it now? I'm Josh Anderson. <laughs> Shake. And big. Take care, y'all. <laughs>